0: This podcast contains adult themes and content that some listeners may find distressing. Listener discretion is advised. Sixteen-year-old Iman Nasir was in love with her high school sweetheart, Rhett Carty-Shaw. One afternoon in May, Rhett headed round to Iman's house. The couple had sex and settled into bed. Iman listened to the trees sway outside and closed her eyes. She felt Rhett stir and as she opened her eyes, she saw him standing over her with a large kitchen knife and a maniacal look in his eyes. She assumed it must be some sort of joke, but Rhett was looking deadly serious. This is the third episode of Red Rum, a podcast focusing on the true victims of crime. Episode 3, Iman Nasir. Iman grew up in Openshaw, a town two miles east of Manchester city centre. Manchester is known for the people, the Mancunians. It's known for its music, oasis, the Stone Roses. Its acting talent, the famous Sir Ben Kingsley, who starred in Schindler's List and Shutter Island. Emmeline Pankhurst, who was born and raised in Side, She was the leader of the British suffragette movement, which helped to shape the battle for women's votes. Manchester is also home to Manchester City's Emirates Stadium and Manchester United's Old Trafford Stadium. The open shore area where Iman lived had previously been thought of as deprived and run down, but in the last few years had had substantial investment and a tram line built in. The neighbourhood was beginning to see positive changes, Its cheap housing and being pretty close to the centre of Manchester meant it saw a huge increase in population from 2010. The tight-knit community consisted mainly of young professionals and families. Iman lived there with her Somali mum, two sisters and brother, and as practising Muslims, she and her family regularly visited the local mosque on Fairfield Road. Her grandfather lived just around the corner and her friends nearby. There was a real sense of community and belonging in the neighbourhood. This was shared amongst Iman and her friends and formed part of the reason she attended Manchester Academy High School when she turned 11. She wanted to be around her friends and the school had a good reputation, with a focus on ambition and creativity. So her mum agreed to let her attend. By the time Iman was 14, she had decided that she wanted to work in the healthcare sector. She was focused in her studies and working hard towards securing a future as a midwife. She had a passion for women's health care. She wanted to be the caring and compassionate person who would be there at the time when expectant mothers really needed it. After her school day was over, Iman would regularly hang out with her friends and, one afternoon, she noticed a new boy in the group. It was at this point that Iman met Rhett Kharty Shaw, a teenage student who also attended Manchester Academy. Rhett was charming and good-looking. Iman was immediately attracted to him. Their chemistry was clear. Rhett adored Iman and the pair soon became boyfriend and girlfriend, officially. Over the next few months, the relationship was going well, the pair got on well, they had the same sense of humour, and they quickly began to fall in love. But by the time Iman was 15, things had shifted dramatically. The once charming, charismatic and caring rep had become angry, sharp and controlling. One morning, he and Iman were watching TV together. Iman was on her Snapchat sending a photo to her friend when Rhett suggested he should know her password. He said it would be easier that way and if she didn't have anything to hide from him, then it shouldn't be a problem. Iman agreed and told him her password. A few days later, Rhett made her tell him the passwords for all of her social media accounts. After all, she wasn't hiding anything. Soon after... Rhett made Iman put his fingerprint on her phone so that he could access it at all times. At the time, Iman didn't really mind because it made Rhett happy and he seemed kinder once she'd done it. She loved and trusted him and he'd probably do the same for her if she asked. By the time Iman was in year 11, she'd been in a relationship with Rhett for nearly two years and although her family knew about her relationship, Because of Iman's background, it was assumed by her family that at some point she may marry a man chosen for her from a trusted family. Her older sister's time for that came when Iman was in year 11. Her mum came downstairs one morning before school and told her that she'd been contacted by a woman whose son needed a wife. She said that this woman and her son had come over to the UK and were staying in London but would be coming up to Manchester to visit Iman's older sister and see if she would be an appropriate wife for him. A few days later, Iman woke up to find her sister's bed empty. She had gone to a friend's house to get ready to meet her potential future husband. Iman turned to walk out of her sister's bedroom and could hear voices coming from her kitchen. It was a Saturday and she was having a lazy morning, resting from her week of exam study at school she wasn't expecting visitors. As she made her way down the stairs, she realised the voices were coming from her mum and a man she didn't recognise. As Iman walked into the kitchen, she realised the voice she didn't recognise was coming from the man who was set to marry her sister. Iman introduced herself to him and then hurried back upstairs. Later that morning, once she'd heard him leave the house, She went downstairs to ask her mum about him. Her mum told her that things had changed. As soon as he had seen Eman come down the stairs, he knew she was the wife he wanted to marry. Eman was shocked and confused. He was 28, 13 years older than her, and he was supposed to be there to marry her sister. But he had chosen her, and that was that. The days that followed were a whirlwind. He took Iman out to KFC for their first date along with her mum and stepdad. She felt awkward and upset. She and her new fiancé were due to go and choose her ring that day, but fortunately for Iman, once they were in the ring shop, the one she had chosen wasn't available in her size, so they'd have to come back in a few weeks. She desperately wanted to reject the marriage proposal, but the mounting pressure from her family was too much. She didn't feel as though she could say no. She didn't want to disappoint her family. But she did have her GCSEs to focus on and, after all, she loved Rhett. She was still in a relationship with him and was devastated that she would have to end things with him in order to pursue a marriage with a man she barely knew. The next day, she spoke to Rhett and he immediately told her to call off the marriage. He loved her and they should be together. She knew what she wanted to do, but realistically, she didn't know if she could hurt her family by rejecting his proposal. She knew deep down that this man was not who she wanted to spend the rest of her life with. She knew what she had to do and one afternoon, she asked her mum to sit down so she could tell her something. She told her mum that she felt uncomfortable with the marriage and didn't want to go through with it. She knew it would be difficult for her mum to hear, but her daughter's happiness was important to her, and she agreed. The marriage would be called off. Finally, Iman could once again focus her attention on her studies and her relationship. She and Rek continued their relationship, but during the next year, Iman started to see signs that things weren't quite right between the two of them. She could feel Rhett becoming more distant, more controlling, and the kindness that she'd fallen in love with had almost completely disappeared. Only when Rhett treated Iman so badly she wanted to leave did he decide to make her feel special and cared for. As soon as the threat of leaving had subsided a little, Rhett went back to treating her awfully. Iman would regularly receive texts from friends saying they'd seen Rat out with other people, cozying up and kissing on numerous occasions. Over the coming months, he was emotionally and physically abusive to her, oftentimes convincing her to spend time with him over her friends, and eventually making sure that she almost completely cut her friends off. Rhett appeared to the outside world like a charming, gentlemanly young man. They attended prom together and posed for photographs together, smiling giddily like the teenagers they were. But on the inside, Iman was struggling more and more with each day that passed. By the time she had finished secondary school, she knew things had to change. She was trapped in a cycle of abuse and pain. As much as she loved him and as much as he promised things would get better and that he would change, Iman had heard it hundreds of times before. She had to leave her high school sweetheart, the first boyfriend she'd ever loved. After Iman left Rhett, she heard that he had already started dating a 16-year-old called Sarah Mohammed. Iman was heartbroken to hear that he could have moved on so quickly but knew that it was probably best in the long run. Before starting her first year of college, Iman decided to take a trip to London to celebrate finishing high school. Once she was there, she began to feel nauseous. She wondered if it was the excitement of finishing high school, the uncertainty of ending her relationship, or a bit of both. She was still in contact with Rhett, and he joked that she could be pregnant, But Iman, of course, shrugged this off. There was no way. She hadn't had any other symptoms. Even so, she decided she should get checked out and felt Rhett should be there, just in case. Once Iman was back from London, she and Rhett went to the clinic together and were told that Iman was three months pregnant. This wasn't the way she imagined it. She wanted to be married to the right person not dealing with her first breakup. Even though he was in a new relationship, Rhett was thrilled that he was going to be a dad and the pair decided to keep the baby and work through things together. Over the next few months, Iman attended college and studied for a diploma in health and social care. Her dreams of becoming a midwife were still at the forefront of her mind. She had to provide for her child. However, during this time, Iman continued to receive texts and calls from her friends saying that Rhett was being unfaithful to her. One lunchtime when she was at college, she was sent a photo of Rhett and Sarah cuddling up together. When Iman confronted Rhett about it, at first he denied it, but eventually admitted that he was still seeing her. He said he hadn't told Sarah that Iman was pregnant. But promised her that he would, he just needed some time. He said that as soon as the baby was born, he'd break up with Sarah properly and they could all be a proper family together. Iman felt helpless and trapped. She was pregnant at 16 years old and couldn't face doing it alone, without Rhett. She told him that if he really wanted to make things work, she would be willing to try. At this point, she hadn't told her mum or any of her family. Because of her religion, she wasn't allowed to have a child before marriage and didn't think her mum would be accepting. By the time she was five months along, she found out she was going to be having a boy and desperately wanted to share the news with her mum. A few weeks passed and then she decided. It was time. The initial shock of her daughter being pregnant at 16 was hard for Iman's mum to take, and she asked her to leave. Iman had no choice but to stay with Rhett at his house. During this time, he told her that she should break off all contact with her mum. Iman couldn't agree to cut her mum out of her life completely, and the next day, called her. They talked about the situation, and after the shock wore off, the family came together and decided that they would make it work. Rhett told Iman that if she went back to her mum's, then the relationship was over between them. Iman chose her family and started to get ready for motherhood by preparing the family home for the newborn. Two months later, at just 35 weeks pregnant, Iman went into labour. She was on her own overnight at the hospital and Rhett was nowhere to be seen. She had a C-section and her healthy baby boy was born. Rhett had been insistent that he would be choosing the name and originally, Iman had agreed. But when she held her son on her chest, with no sign of Rhett nearby, she decided that she would name her son Keenan, or KK for short. Her mum and friends eventually arrived and spent the next week in hospital whilst doctors checked KK's vitals and made sure he was okay to leave. The next two months were a blur of first-time motherhood, juggling family and friends visiting and still seeing Rhett. The manipulation and control that Rhett had exercised over the last few years had taken its toll and Iman struggled to completely cut ties. Although she had decided not to be in a relationship with him, and he continued to date Sarah, Iman had given birth to his child, and she wanted her son to have a father figure, so decided he could visit from time to time. The times they met weren't wholly platonic. The history they shared and the hold that Rhett had over Iman meant that often they would end up having sex. The relationship between them turned into an affair of sorts, and... It wasn't long before Rhett's girlfriend, Sarah, found out. Sarah was enraged and humiliated. She built up a hatred for Iman that was only fueled by the fact that she and Rhett had a baby together. She knew that she would never feel confident in Rhett's devotion to her whilst he was in contact with Iman, but also knew that he would always find a reason to go back to his child. She demanded that Rhett break it off immediately, And told him that he would have to prove his love for her, and the only way he could do that would be deadly. There are a number of angry texts between Sarah and Rhett where he asks if he can win her back. Sarah replies, quote, you can try but it would take great commitment on your part, unquote. And this is where the murderous plan began taking shape. Sarah told Rhett that the only way to win her back would be to kill Iman so that she would be out of their lives for good. Internet history on Rhett's computer would later show that Rhett had googled how many years is someone in for murder, how long do murderers serve in prison, and asphyxiation. On the 3rd of May 2019, Rhett texted Iman to say he was coming to see her. He made her way to the family home she shared with her mum and sisters and knocked on the door. Iman answered and the pair went upstairs and had sex. A few moments later, they were talking and Iman noticed Rhett had a green plastic bag and black gloves with him. When she asked what was in the bag, Rhett said it was just stuff he was taking to a charity shop. But when Iman asked to look inside, He became defensive, and the pair started arguing. The argument continued, and eventually, Rhett blurted out that he had had a conversation about killing her, and he had to do it. He said that people would harm his family if he didn't. At first, Iman thought he was joking and laughed it off, but it soon became clear that he wasn't. Rhett pushed her down onto the bed and took her phone away from her so she couldn't call for help. He asked her if she wanted him to kill her and if she thought he looked like a killer. He kept repeating, you will die. She became scared and pleaded with him not to hurt her. During this time, Sarah was waiting just round the corner from the house. She texted Rhett constantly, checking that he was going to go through with the murder. She told him not to do anything stupid and definitely not to have sex with Iman because the police would be able to tell and then he'd definitely go to prison. She texted him saying, Vid it, then delete it when I see it, please. Sarah was becoming impatient waiting nearby and when Rhett hadn't emerged from the house a number of hours later, she texted him, what's taking so long? Hurry up. She also said that she would have done the same for him and that she promised to get him a new identity. Meanwhile, Imam was inside the house begging for Rhett to spare her life. The conversation went back and forth, with Rhett seeming to be in a quandary with himself. After five hours of trying to persuade him not to harm her, he eventually suggested that she could apply makeup to her neck to make it look like she'd been strangled. Iman was terrified and agreed, promising she wouldn't tell anyone. She used eyeshadow and foundation to make her neck look like it was bruised with a ligature mark. Rhett then took a photo of Iman pretending to be dead, but when she opened her eyes, Rhett was standing over her, holding a large kitchen knife. She tried to run out of the bedroom, but Rhett was close behind her. They reached the top of the stairs and she attempted to push him down. Her struggle ensued and Iman made it into the garden. As she turned round to see how close Rep was, she felt an excruciating stab to her back. She ran inside the house screaming and begging him to stop. Rep forced his way in as Iman grabbed the phone and tried to call 999, but just as she was about to press the call button, she was stopped by Rett who then continued to stab her. She was stabbed in the neck, face, back and armpit as well as being bruised all over her body. Eventually, thinking he had done enough damage to her, Rhett changed his clothes into the ones he brought with him, stuffed his bloody clothes and the knife into the green plastic bag and left. He sent Sarah a text that said, quote, I did it to prove I loved you. There was no other way to keep you, unquote. Sarah replied, quote, I know there wasn't. I'm going to protect you at all costs." Iman made her way outside toward the road but collapsed at the scene. I've seen clips of the house just after the attack and it is shocking. The first thing you see is a wall covered in bloody handprints. The camera then turns to the stairs and shows the white banister stained with blood. The camera then travels up the stairs, where we see bloodstains on the wall and all over the cream carpet up to the landing. Then, taking a turn into the bathroom, you can see blood all over the floor. Rhett found Sarah waiting nearby and they hurriedly made their way to her house. She wiped the knife clean with a bacterial wipe, before cleaning Rhett up and sending him out to get rid of the weapon and his bloody clothes. He walked down the road and sat down on a nearby bench to wait for a bus to take him towards his house. The police arrested Rhett at this bus stop and soon discovered the messages between him and Sarah. They arrested Sarah later that day. Iman was rushed to surgery for her injuries and after valiant efforts by the surgery team, she was determined to be in a stable condition. She spent the next four days in hospital recovering before she was allowed to return home to be with her family. I spoke to Iman about the attempted murder and what came across so strongly when she spoke about the ordeal was how grateful she was for her support system after the attack. She told me that only after Rat had tried to kill her was she able to fully open up about the entire relationship. She says that her mum is now her best friend because she can finally open up in an understanding and non-judgmental environment. She thinks that she and her mum initially struggled to talk and understand each other because there were simply so many things going on in her relationship with Rhett that she wasn't allowed to talk about. Once he was out of her life, Iman could be honest and her mum understood and only wanted to support her. She says her mum helped her during her recovery and was her stability once the court proceedings took place. The court heard how 17-year-old Rhett Carty Shaw had attempted to kill the mother of his child in order to satisfy the wants and desires of 17-year-old Sarah Mohammed. Sarah changed her name to Cairo Mori at Cairo just before sentencing took place. During Iman's victim impact statement, she told the court that, quote, This incident has dramatically changed my life and the outlook of living. I can't do things I want to do anymore because I'm too scared. I stopped going to college because we moved away and because my mental health isn't great anymore. Sometimes I wake up sweating and screaming in my sleep. I find it hard to breathe because I'm so traumatised. I suffer with headaches that just won't go away. "Unquote." Iman, her son, and their family had to move away from her home in Openshaw because she no longer felt safe there. She went on to say that she was currently undergoing therapy because her son served as a reminder of Rhett, and that her siblings were also receiving mental health support after they found her on the street, bleeding heavily before the ambulance arrived. She also said she finds it difficult to carry her baby because of the injuries she sustained. Rhett Carty-Shaw's lawyer said that a psychiatrist had deemed his intellect so low that he had narrowly missed the criteria for an intellectual disability and was particularly susceptible to manipulation. Although she did go on to say that this didn't affect his ability to know right from wrong. The judge, Alan Conrad told Rat and Sarah, now known as Cairo, quote, How the two of you could be intent on the murder of this girl really does defy belief and can only sensibly be understood by reference to your two warped personalities. You are both selfish narcissists who believe that the world revolves around you and who play out your sick dramas on the stage of social media, unquote. Rhett was jailed for 16 years for attempted murder and possession of an offensive weapon. Cairo was also sentenced to 16 years for encouraging and assisting a person to commit murder. During the trial, Iman was floored by the important work that the police officers had done and continued to do, and so decided that she would shift her career focus from a midwife to a police officer. Iman says that she regrets staying with Rep, but, at the time, felt like she couldn't speak up and continued to deal with it all alone because she loved him. When we spoke about the complexities of domestic abuse and knowing when to leave, she told me that deep down she always knew something was wrong, but at the start she ignored the red flags. Eman has a YouTube channel where she recently uploaded a video about her view on toxic relationships and friendships. In it, she says that when you're in a toxic relationship, you're so blinded by the lust and love that you can't see through it. There's a way that Rhett tended to not want to talk about the actual issue at hand and just say sorry, but not address it. She says that she often tried to express what she was feeling, but it was always brushed off. She said it's harder to speak to someone when you're young as well because the abuser can manipulate you into thinking you're in the wrong. She goes on to say that she didn't want to come to terms with the fact that the person she cared for could put his hands on her and degrade her. She summarises that toxic people are narcissists and think the world revolves around them. They find the soft spot on the other person and take advantage of that including cutting you off from family and friends. They know you'll do anything for them because you love them. She even goes on to say that within these relationships, the toxic person may try and get the other person pregnant in order to trap them and make sure they are unable to leave. Iman has just celebrated her 18th birthday and her Instagram is a flurry of glamorous photos showing her dressed in full hijab and proud displays of slideshows of her and her son. One of her Instagram photos shows her wearing a Rick and Morty t-shirt with the caption, Rick and Morty wanted to say hi. What strikes me about Iman is how young she is and how quickly she has had to mature. By the age of 17, she had already dealt with years of an abusive relationship, given birth to her son, and attended her Crown Court trial, so her maturity is no big surprise, but it seems a little before her time. Her social media and YouTube channel sheds light on Iman's personality and life. Hi guys, welcome back to my channel, and guess what guys, I am 18 today, 20th of May. I'm 18, so I said let me vlog on my 18th, so I know I, lo- I look like a hot mess, I've got a red wig on, I'm just going to try to look cute, so um, I hope you guys like this vlog, comment, share, subscribe, and basically I'll see you after I have my full face makeup on, because that's just going to be a long process, but I'll see you guys in the next clip. A large number of her videos focus on family and they tend to address either specific details or general question and answer sessions where the focus is often on her son. Her channel is full of videos that show a fierce loyalty to her family and friends. Often throughout her videos, she will stop for a few minutes to lip sync to some backing music. It's like she's having fun with a best friend. It exudes youth and excitement. I think Iman's content gains a varied audience with a concentrated following of both young Muslim women and Somali viewers, respectively. There are only a small amount of Muslim girls and women creating YouTube content like this, compared to the hundreds of thousands of non-Muslim influencers. With YouTube being the highest-rated brand amongst people aged 18 to 24, there's definitely a market for this and Iman's mix of lifestyle makeup and family videos has amassed 16.7 thousand subscribers. Her followers are an array of young women, Muslims and other domestic abuse victims. In 2017, 30,000 women across the world were killed by their current or former romantic partner, and domestic abuse in relationships affects 1 in 4 women and 1 in 6 men. Yet most domestic violence incidents are not reported. Victims are continuing to suffer in silence because of a number of reasons. This could be anything from fear of retaliation from the abuser to victim-blaming, having no support and therefore being unable to leave, lacking self-confidence, being conditioned to stay silent, religious or cultural beliefs, hoping the abuser may change, fearing deportation or knowing that leaving is the most dangerous time in an abusive relationship. I think there's something really important to recognise in the youth involved in this case. Both the victim and the abuser were young, just 14 when it started, There's a lot to be said about society's understanding of what domestic abuse is, as well as how and if it comes to light. Kit Gruel, a survivor of domestic violence and advocate for battered and broken women, uses a great analogy for victim blaming when an incident has happened. She says with regards to blaming the victim, We don't do it with any other crime. Say a bank has been robbed in your community. Maybe the bank has been robbed four or five times already and the 911 call goes out. Law enforcement comes out, they interview the witnesses, they dust for prints, they do an investigation. When they're done with the investigation, they don't go to the bank president and say, why did you keep all that money here? We've already been out here four or five times. Do you like getting robbed? I can't believe you're still doing business here. Why haven't you moved bank? Unquote. In order to protect the victims, we have to start asking better questions. Domestic abuse doesn't discriminate. It happens in seemingly happy homes and those of all religions, genders, ethnicities and at every socio-economic level. It can affect anyone. You only have to look at the array of high-profile domestic violence cases to understand that no one is immune from being a victim. Rihanna, Stacy Solomon and Reese Witherspoon are just a few women who have spoken up over the last 10 years. Iman survived this attack, but the physical and mental scars left from the years of abuse she suffered may never fade. Red Rum is written and presented by Grace Cordell. It's produced by Russ Clark and Grace Cordell. Sound design by Russ Clark, with additional music by Benjamin James. Special thanks to 94 Gunships.